if my goal in life is to be happy, I'm going to be disappointed a lot. Because happiness is based upon circumstances. It's emotion that's based upon circumstances. It's, it's based upon people and cooperation and all the things that go with that. Uh, nothing like little kids, you know, especially like toddlerish age, will let you know when they're not happy, when things aren't going their way. Uh, got my hair cut from Tanya Bazlek, uh last week. It looks good too, I know. Thank you. Um, I have hair, Steve. Okay, just kidding. That was cold, cold. Sorry. Yeah. Um, but her little grandson, Arlo, was there with her. On, and um, she had given him two pieces of chocolate and said, that's enough. And he kept saying, mo chocolate, mo chocolate, mo. And she was like, no, no, no. And then she said, um, you know, you're, you're driving me crazy. And he goes, but I want to drive you crazy. <laughs> it was classic. But you know how kids, they, they'll, they'll express when they're hungry or something's not going their way. And we learn how, as adults, that when we're not happy, we figure out other ways than just complaining to show our unhappiness. But here's the deal. If my goal in life is joy, then that's an attainable goal. Because joy is different than happiness in that joy is based upon God and his love for me and you. Joy is not based upon circumstances. It's not based, it's not an emotion. It's a choice. Choosing joy is a a choice. It's an inner disposition. It's a conviction that God is good and that God loves us. Let me try something to see if you're, you're tracking with me. You can do a little participation here. If your favorite NFL team wins the Super Bowl, which we know most of us in this room, that's not happening this year. But if your favorite team wins the Super Bowl, are you going to experience joy or happiness? Yeah, because the other team that lost, their fans are experiencing, you know, uh, unhappiness. Your new car gets keyed in a parking lot, scratched right on the hood. Can your response be determined by something other than unhappiness? Yes. You can have joy when something bad happens um, like that. Now, I failed miserably at this not too long ago. We had our car in a parking lot overnight. When we went to our car, someone had thrown a rock through the driver's side window. I don't know if they were trying to steal the car or steal something inside, but I didn't pass that test very well. Like, I was mad. Because it was a fairly newer car that we had just, just purchased. But you, I still could have, you know, chose joy there. God, thank you for insurance. God, thank you that this wasn't worse. But I, I didn't do that in that moment. So, um, how about this one? You're broke, and then you win Powerball. Is that going to be joy or happiness? Joy. <laughs> Somebody once said that, that money can't buy you happiness, but it sure helps. <laughs> Truth is, money can buy you happiness, but it can't buy you joy. There are miserable millionaires all over the place. I'd like to try that sometime, but <laughs> they're still, still miserable. 
Here's the last one. You get bad news from the doctor. That's not going to make you happy. But you can still choose joy, especially when we know Jesus. So we're concluding this series that we've been in called Longing for Home. And we're in the part of the Old Testament where the children of Israel were in captivity outside of their homeland, outside of the promised land. They had been taken captivity uh, by the Babylonians. And so you have Jeremiah, Lamentations, Esther, as Kristen did last week. And today I'm going to briefly touch on Ezra and Nehemiah and what was going on there. But you have uh, the Persians had taken over Babylon's empire. So the Medo-Persian empire was around for a brief period of time um, before the Greeks took it over. But in, in the story of Ezra and Nehemiah, you have the children of Israel leaving to go home to the promised land. In the book of Ezra, Ezra was the priest of Israel. And the Jews found favor, so to speak, with the, king, the Persian kings. And so 70 years after being in captivity, they, some, in like three groups, they made their way back to the promised land. And in returning to the promised land, if you remember why they were in captivity, is because they didn't keep the, their, the covenant with God. And God had through the prophets said that that was going to happen and that they were going to actually return as well. And in returning to the promised land, there was really two main things that were going to happen. First was the restoration of the temple in Jerusalem. The Babylonians, 70 years earlier, had destroyed Jerusalem and destroyed the temple, and it was just sacked and in shambles. And they were, uh, the identity of the Jews in so many ways was the temple. That was where they did the worship and practiced all the things that they were taught to do in Exodus and in Leviticus. And then there was going to be a repentance by the people in honoring the covenant and honoring the covenant God they, that they were in covenant with. Ezra 9, 5 through 15, Ezra repents on behalf of the people. He pours out his heart to God on, on their failures as his covenant people. But God kept his promise through, that he gave through the prophets of their return. So you move from Ezra to Nehemiah. Nehemiah was not a priest, but he was a very godly leader, a God-fearing leader. He was the governor of what was be, the rebuilding of Jerusalem there. So the Israelites, they had a lot of burdens. They had a lot of burdens that they were, that was going on at this time. They had their failure, their, their guilt. They had this project of rebuilding all this stuff that was in shambles. Let me read to you from Nehemiah 8, verse. I'm going to read 8 to verse 10. And to set this up, Ezra's reading the book of the law. He's reading the book of Moses to them. And it, they really, they begin to cry and mourn at their failure. It says they read from the book, from the law of God, translating to give the sense so that they uh, understood the reading. Then Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra, the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people said to all the people, this day is holy to the Lord. Do not mourn or weep, for all the people were weeping when they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, go eat of the fat, 
means have a good meal, drink of the sweet, and send portions to him who has nothing prepared, for this day is holy to our Lord. Do not be grieved. Here's the the key phrase. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. God's very joy is going to be their strength when they felt really, really weak. They were going to have to choose joy in the midst of difficulties. They were going to have to choose joy in the midst of difficult circumstances, in particularly choose God's joy. Their circumstances were not going to make them happy, but they still could choose joy. It's important for us to understand that today. I wonder today if you were to be honest with yourself, how's your joy meter on a scale of one to 10? How's, not your happiness meter, how's your joy meter? <laughs> I like it. I want all of us to have a woohoo <laughs> because we have God's joy. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Can we say that together? The joy of the Lord is your strength. It's our strength. So I want to take the remainder of the time I have with this on on how can we choose joy in our lives no matter what? You get those difficult circumstances, how can you still have joy in the midst of chaos and pain and difficulty? The first thing I would tell you is this. Defy your difficult circumstances through his promises. You defy those difficult circumstances through the promises of God. Some are going through some heavy stuff. And you're going to have to defy those circumstances with the promises of God. And we're told in 2 Corinthians that all the promises of God are yes and amen in Jesus. So every promise God's ever made is found a yes and amen in the person of Jesus. To defy something is to, to challenge a person to do something that seems impossible, that's been deemed impossible. I remember the miracle on ice. Do you believe in miracles? 1980, the USA beats the vaunted Russian, unbeatable Russians. A bunch of college kids, amateurs, beat these. They defied the odds. Someone swam the English Channel. The Rockies might win the World Series. I can defy the odds. How about Rocky Balboa over Apollo Creed? Sad part is those last two are both fiction for sure. So, um, again, some are in impossible circumstances, and I'm, I'm with you. Um, easy when you're not in trial and struggles that are deep. You know, you don't want to give a Band-Aid to somebody or a Christian cliché. I'm, I'm praying that God will give you real hope and joy. Listen to, the, to what Jesus says in John 15, 10 through 11. He says, If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy, the joy of the Lord, may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Now, he says, if you keep my commands, what are, what are the commands of Jesus? Everything Jesus has told us to do or not to do can be summarized in this statement. What does love require of me? In any given circumstance, what does love require of me? It might require you to forgive 
somebody who's wronged you or to overlook someone's fault or to serve or to be inconvenienced. I don't know what it is, but if you ask yourself the question, what is love requiring of me? You will be fulfilling the command of Christ, the commands of Christ. And it almost sounds like it's, it's conditional if you keep my commands. I, that's not what he's saying. He's, he's actually making a promise. He's stating a fact that if you keep my commands, you will have my joy. When you choose love over self, that's what joy really comes from. Jesus promised in John 16, in this life, you're going to have trials and sorrows of many kinds. But take courage. I've overcome. So we can take courage in those difficult times and have his joy and peace in spite of circumstances. And I get it. This is hard because we want happiness. We, it's hard when things are difficult to see God at work in it. I, I get that. But it's still there for all of us in our discipleship to Jesus to pursue it. And as you follow Jesus, may his joy be complete in you. Now, the Apostle Paul and his companions, man, <laughs> they went through some serious trials and difficult circumstances, beatings and uh, arrests and all, jail and all this stuff for preaching the good news that God loves people. Like that's what got them in trouble. Uh, preaching the kingdom of God that got him in trouble with Rome. Preaching Jesus was the Messiah got him in trouble with the religious folks. And they were persecuted. But he says this when he writes to the church at Corinth. He says, we are ignored even though we are well known. We live close to death, but we are still alive. We have been beaten, but have not been killed. Our hearts ache, but we always have joy. We are poor, but we give spiritual riches to others. We own nothing, and yet we have everything. That's defiant joy right there. In the middle of all those difficult circumstances, we have joy. I was thinking about this. So how do, we, how do you and I have defiant joy? There's three things. First of all, to have defiant joy, you need to have a real hope. We need to have a real hope. Your hope in life cannot be built on something that can be taken away. Your ultimate hope. It can't be built on a person. It can't be built on money, possessions, 401ks, the stock market, whatever. Our hope is in eternal life with Jesus. The promise that he has said in the life to come, there's going to be no sickness, no sorrow or sin or any of that. But we'll have the, the blessings of of heaven will be living tangibly with you trust in jesus christ put your hope in jesus christ the apostle paul gives a cool little layout on how this works here in romans 5 1 through 2 he says therefore having been justified by faith we have peace with god through our lord jesus christ through whom we also have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Second thing, to have defiant joy, we need to, to know that God has a purpose in every circumstance. Your pain has a purpose ultimately. God is not the author of evil or pain or any of these things. People often say, well, God's doing this to me. No, he's not. He's a good father. Life is doing things to us. Life and people and living in a broken world is the reason 
we're in pain and go through difficulties. Paul, he says this in the middle of his defiant joy, we can rejoice or choose joy too when we run into problems and trials for we know that they help us develop endurance and endurance develops strength of character and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. No one's exempt from difficulties. No one's exempt from trials and sorrows. And I think sometimes we make the mistake of if I could just get rid of my problems. You know the problem in that statement is as soon as you send problems out the back door, there's a knock on the front door with a whole new set of problems waiting for you. Life is a series of problems. Life is a series of of difficulties. And so in the midst of difficulties, you're choosing joy by saying, God, you are going to develop my character through this. You're going to strengthen my faith. You're going to grow me into being like Jesus. Joy is learning how to enjoy life in spite of circumstances. That's really what joy is. Enjoying life in spite of circumstances. And then thirdly, we need to believe that he's always with us. We need to believe that he's always with us. Romans 5.11, so now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. I love that. You're never going to go through a trial alone. God is always with us. He is Emmanuel, God with us. That equals joy in my opinion. To choose joy, secondly, delight yourself in the Lord daily. Learn to delight yourself in the Lord daily. It's a discipline to wake up and say, God, I'm going to pursue my joy in you today. I take delight in who you are. I take delight in your character of goodness and love. You know, a great way to fight sin, if you're struggling with a sin or a habit right now, one of the best ways to to fight sin is to find joy in the right things. Because sin holds out a promise. If you do this, I'll make you happy. I'll make you even have joy. God says, do things my way and you'll have true joy. So when you, if you're having a struggle right now, pursue happiness and joy in the right things, in the, in the, the righteous things of God. The Apostle Paul from a prison cell He pins the book of Philippians, and Philippians is kind of called the book of joy because joy is all over that book where he uses the word joy or rejoice over and over and over, and he's in a jail cell. Defiant joy again. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Delight in God is what that means. I mean, when you ate your Thanksgiving meal, did you take delight in it? When you said, mm, that's so good. When you unbuckled your pants so that you could breathe. I mean, you were taking delight in, in a gift from God. This is the day the Lord has made, the psalm says. We will rejoice and be glad in it. What a great way to start out your day. God, this is the day you've made. I'm going to delight in you. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. And then Psalm 37, 4, take delight or take joy in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. 
Celebrate daily who God is, who He is for you. Celebrate His goodness. If you don't know who you are in Jesus Christ and how God sees you, there's a book in the New Testament called Ephesians. And you go and read Ephesians 1, and you'll know who you are in Christ. Because it says we've been blessed in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. In other words, everything that is Jesus's, he's shared with you and I. He's shared that with us. It's yours to access. And I would say celebrate the ordinary things in life. 1 Corinthians 10, 31, whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, do to the glory of God. Eating and drinking are fairly ordinary things. In your ordinary, maybe you feel bored sometimes, you can still celebrate God. You can take delight in Him. One of my favorite books I've ever read on discipleship is called The Life You've Always Wanted by John Ortberg. And it's all about taking spiritual disciplines beyond just reading the Bible and praying and worshiping to like things we can outwardly do to grow in Jesus. And he has a a chapter on celebration. And he tells a story about how he was learned from his daughter how to celebrate um, the ordinary things in life. He was giving her a bath and she's a little toddler and he's trying to dry her off because he's hurrying to go watch TV or some other activity. So we got to get this bath done quickly so I can get on to my things. And he was just being very honest about his position there. So he's trying to dry her off and he said that she would just do this little thing and she would go, Dee-da, dee-da, dee. And he couldn't dry her off. He's like, he's like going nuts. Dee-da, dee-da. And he goes, would you stop? And he said, she looked him in the eye and she said, why, daddy? And in that moment, he was cut to the heart, that he was missing out on a moment, that he was going to blink and there was not going to be no more opportunities for the D-Daw dance or even bath time or any of that. And he said they sat there for like five or ten minutes doing the D-Daw dance in the bathtub. And I was like, good for you. That's, we need to be reminded, slow down. Enjoy the ordinary things of light. Take delight in that. Sometimes just going outside and seeing creation can be an avenue of celebrating. I remember um, when Kiko and Kelly from the Dominican Republic, our, our missionary friends, they came out to Colorado years back, and Janelle and I took them into the mountains past the Eisenhower Tunnel. And I kid you not, it was like God set this up because it was September. And as we're uh, just outside of Idaho Springs, heading west, there's two big horned sheep just bam, ramming on the side of the highway. I've lived here all my life. I've never seen anything like that. And then it was kind of sleeting just a little bit on the other side of the Eisenhower. And they were like, look, look at the snow. And they, we pulled over and Kiko just stood there like a little boy with his tongue out, <laughs> letting the snowflakes touch his tongue. I mean, it's the little things. To choose joy, the the third thing is determined to have an attitude of gratitude. We just celebrated Thanksgiving. And truly, Thanksgiving should be 365 days of the year. 
And I'm talking about the food. Just kidding. Thanksgiving should be 365 days a year. God, thank you for the blessings. I said this the other night, but I read a quote where somebody said, if you woke up the next day with the things you thanked God for the day before, um, what would you have? That's a challenging little observation. Listen to this command in Scripture. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 Give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. What? All circumstances we're supposed to give thanks? Even the crappy ones? Like we're supposed to, in all circumstances? Is he really asking that of us? He's not saying to give thanks for the circumstance, but for what God's going to do through those circumstances in and through our faith. Romans 8.28 Um, For we know that in all things God works together for the good of those who love him. He doesn't call all things good. He works all things for good. It's important that we remember that. Determined to be thankful. God, I thank you for, for all the blessings. I turned 55 this year. Yeah, I'm old. But, um... And it kind of weirded me out. I'm, this isn't even in my notes, but I'm going to open, be, be transparent with you. Turning 55 was kind of weird for me, because that means my next big birthday is 60. What? I, that's, that used to seem really old when you're 20, you know, 30 or whatever. I was like, what? That's kind of old people. I can get the Denny's special for 55 and up now. Moon's over my hammy at half price. Like, right on. Um, But it was just like that FOMO, that fear of missing out, and that life just just rolling down the tracks for all of us. We blinked, and another Christmas is right on our doorstep. You blinked, and your kids are another year older, your grandkids. And, And so how I've been combating that, how I feel like the Lord told me to combat that, is thank me for all I've done for you for this past 55 years. Thank, thank me for your family. Thank me for the people. And I've been making that a practice. And that little weirdness is kind of, its power is dwindling every time I stop and just thank him for the life that he's, he's given. Last thing to choose joy is demonstrate Jesus by pursuing joy in the joy of others. Pursue joy in the joy of others. That's what Jesus did with his life. He pursued joy in the joy of others. He making life better for others. The Apostle Paul quotes Jesus. It it's, comes from some source other than the Gospels in the book of Acts chapter 20, where he says, um, remember the words of our Lord Jesus, who said it's more bl- you'll be more blessed to give than received. In other words, you'll have more joy when you give than when you're a taker. When you give, you're going to be blessed. When you give, you're going to have joy. Pursue your joy in the joy of your spouse. Make life better for your spouse. Pursue your joy in making life better for others. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 says, For the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. 
He went through all the scourging. I mean, he was rejected, humiliated, the nails, the brutality of his death. He did it for the joy that was on the other side of his death. And his joy was you. He saw you walking in relationship with his father. He saw us pursuing our joy in, in others as well and experiencing what life is really about. That, meant, that humbles me to know that Jesus pursued his joy by going and enduring through the cross, by laying his life down. You know, others-centered people, others-centered people are the happiest, joyful people around because their joy is not based upon somebody else fulfilling their joy. Their joy is by giving their life to serve others. Man, I'm telling you, if your marriage has is, is been tough, if the two of you can come together and say, I'm going to pursue my joy in making life better for you, and you two commit to that, you're going to have an amazing marriage. You're going to get along well. You'll overlook. You'll serve. That's, that's counterintuitive to our, you know, our, our sinful nature, so to speak. But it's the Jesus way. It's the way Jesus approaches life and how he approached in his human life of, of I didn't come to be served, but I came to serve. We're talking about God. Came in the flesh not to be served, but to lay his life down. I think there's three little avenues we can think about in this. But first of all is in the area of giving or, or generosity. Be generous with your time, talent, and treasure for the betterment of others. Pursue your joy in being generous. You've never heard a, a generous person say that, that they're bummed out that they, they were generous. It just doesn't work like that. It's you're always filled with joy when you're generous. And then serving, like having an attitude of servanthood as unto the Lord. You and I are never more like Jesus than when we're serving someone who can't serve us back or we're not going to get anything from serving him. That's when we're being like Jesus. And then sharing, sharing the gospel. This world needs to hear that God loves them and that he's good and the victory of Jesus over sin, death, and the evil one by his life, death, and resurrection. People need that. They don't need our judgment. They don't need uh, to be thumped over the head with the Bible. Although that would be fun. I'm just kidding. They, they need to hear the gospel. And we need to, to build our lives on the foundation of, of that truth. You go back to is, the Israelites and Nehemiah. And they had to choose joy. For the joy of the Lord is our strength. If you feel weak today and tired, beat down, access the joy of the Lord that's already with you. You don't have to ask Him for it. It's, it's already there because of Jesus. Do what I say to do and my joy will be made complete in you. You know, God's a joyful God. We often paint a picture of God's People have painted a picture that God's angry and frustrated. No, he's joyful. He's a joyful God. 
he does get angry and, and experience all, all of that. But in his being, part of who he is, God is love, and he's also a joyful God. So I wonder where in life today do you need to choose joy? And maybe God's been speaking to you this whole time of a person or a circumstance or whatever that you're, you're going to need to choose joy. You're going to need to push the goal of happiness to the side and say, I'm, I'm pursuing joy. Happiness will be a byproduct of that ultimately. Are you grateful that Jesus chose joy in the midst of the most difficult circumstances anyone would ever go through? I am. We stand with me and let's pray. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for who you are. Jesus, thank you for choosing joy in all that you went through. Father, thank you for your generosity in giving us your son, sharing him with us. Jesus, thank you for giving us the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is joy. Lord, help us to walk in the Holy Spirit, to abide in you, Lord Jesus. Lord, silence the mouth of the enemy who's trying to speak shameful things into our ears. to cause us to focus on ourselves rather than you. Lord, help us where we're, we're, we're trying to find joy and happiness in the wrong things that we would turn away from that and turn to you. Thank you for, thank you for blessing us, Lord. Thank you for bestowing upon us your joy and your peace because of your love. I pray for everybody listening, Lord, that Lord, you would free us from discouragement, anxiety, depression, fears, worries, sickness, to walk in, in your joy. And Lord, we recognize today that life is brief. Life is brief, Lord. Help us to live present in the moments that we've been given. Help us to prioritize our life around the priority, your priorities for our life, Lord. Forgive us where we haven't prioritized our life over your priorities. We choose that this morning, and we know that in your priorities, we will find joy. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name.